Morocco made the whole Africa proud by knocking out Portugal in the FIFA World Cup quarterfinals and becoming the first team from the continent to reach the tournament's semifinals. As for England, the three lines again tripped over a penalty. But to be fair, they really drove France to the edge of the cliff. Welcome back to CGTN Sports Talk. I am Li Xiang, and I'm glad to be joined by my colleague Josh here. Great to be back. Hey, so I got to say I admire Morocco for their work against Spain, against Portugal. But first, I want to ask: Did Portugal really watch how Spain lost? Did he learn any lesson? Yeah, that was. It was really. Like I was really quite disappointed by this because that is it exactly. We saw just what Morocco did to beat a game like beat a team like Spain, who mm-hmm. are possession heavy, tiki taka, constantly move the ball. Portugal aren't like that yet. They still seem to try the exact same ball movement, so to speak, and it simply didn't work. And because they were one nil down at the very end of the first half. In the second half, all Morocco did was park the bus. All they did was just sit back, sit back, go for a low block. And Portugal had absolutely nothing to offer. Mm-hmm. Um, bringing on Ronaldo at that five minutes into the second half, Yeah, I don't understand why, because that's like... Bringing him on the second half gives too much time because if he's meant to be used as an impact player, mm-hmm. you're, it, it's it's it, that's not how it works. It should be last half hour, break them down, then bring on like your power man, something like that. They they didn't. Um, like I am impressed with how Morocco have got through. You look at the teams they've beat, but I'm more disappointed by the way Portugal lost this game than how Morocco won it. Yeah, uh, when I saw Ronaldo was sent to the field, first I was like, okay, they were investing everything. And then I noticed that Felix was there, Bruno Fernandes was there, Ramos was there. I was like, okay. Manager mm-hmm. Santos, apparently, he really wanted this win. He had four forwards. And then they began to think, there's no full forward form in today's football. So who's going to be in the middle field? Who's going to hold back? Could be Fernandes. Could, yeah, could be Felix. That may not be the best for the team. And as it turned out, Ronaldo didn't really... It's maybe too much to say he didn't do anything. He didn't really play a big role in every minute when he wants on the game. And his fiance or girlfriend or wife said that, oh, the manager made a bad decision. He sent him to the field too late. I don't think... He, he made a bad decision. I don't think he should actually send him to the field. Yeah, definitely not that time because then that also later on I think forced his hand when we end up with the switch for Gonzalo Ramos leaving mm-hmm. for Rafael Leao when probably should have had both on at the same time. Yeah. However, because they both like playing around that left center left position because you put Ronaldo on right in the middle, there's there's nowhere else anyone can go. It, it was just a really awkward awkward game. Um, the amount of times that I felt like Otavio got the ball and rather than just just going for the net, he was turning around trying to play other people in. Made me think that again he's trying to play Ronaldo in for the for the goal, play someone else in for the goal rather than actually take it himself. Like I don't know what is going on with that locker room, but it felt like he was at least based on how I was watching the game, it felt like he was there not to win, mm-hmm. but there to facilitate someone else's win, which when it's 
85, 90 minutes into a game, and he's still doing that. Um, well, no, he came off at 69, so an hour into a game, and he's still doing that. I I don't know what what he's there for, what he's what he's doing. Um, Bruno Fernandes and Joao Felix were great on the wings. They, to me, feel like the players to build this next generation around mm-hmm. because they are so dynamic in that in that zone. They're great at setting up chances, but also taking them themselves. Um, but then the stuff in between, yeah, I, I don't know. Gonzalo Ramos, because I think we were so hyped by that hat-trick that he got in the previous round mm-hmm. that we kind of forgot how young he is. Yeah. And when you're playing against a Morocco side who are willing to go four at the back, becomes five, becomes six, becomes seven, and they just hunker down. He's not the kind of player to get round the back of this. I mean, it's crazy how we are heading into the semifinals. And for me, the most inspiring, if not... like I always like to think there's a standout player I've never seen before. Mm-hmm. But f- so far for me, the most inspiring or most, um, most important player I've seen is Val Veghorst for the Netherlands. Mm-hmm. He's a big, strong centre-forward who, when played incorrectly, will just bully people out of the way. And when I'm looking at Gonzalo Ramos and Bruno Fernandes and even Pepe trying to get through five men, I'm thinking if Val Veghorst was here, he would just push El Yamik and Saiz over, especially with how tired they were towards those final final minutes. Um, I felt quite bad at the... You know, and the thing as well, just to skip towards the very end, when the final whistle went and Ronaldo stormed off the pitch, mm. I did feel quite bad for him because you, he must have known that at that moment, everyone just wanted to look at him upset. Mm. And he just walked right to the dressing room to make sure no one could do it. And, you know, he has given his whole career to this team. He got them to the European Championships. The quality around him has been pretty poor up until now where it was too late for him to do anything with it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I feel like I can come out of this more disappointed in Portugal than happy for Morocco. Yeah, I know. I, know. I totally understand. And I think I have never been a fan of Ronaldo after what mm. he did this year. I don't, I can say I'm very critical of him, but actually I don't think he has, sure he will have regrets, but he doesn't have any reason or no one has any reason to point fingers at him to say, Hey, you brought this whole team down. No, he didn't. Like you said, mm. he contributed his whole career to the national team. He did everything he could. It's just aging and timing everything together there was a barrier that he could not go over and this is how it works this is how time how a player's career always ends and he can actually leave the world cup and the national team to say that he is one of the best players in portuguese history although this world cup didn't end in a way that uh, many expected him to be yeah that yeah i think that's the best way to look at it because this will because this will be looked really, I think, for a long while mm-hmm. as him dragging that team to relevance. Yeah. And then when they got there, when they won their trophy, when the next generation of players really came through who could support him, by that point it was too late. And the thing is, 
the ego that driven him to the top is also the same ego that won't know when to let go. True. And you could kind of see by, you know, now I'm thinking about it, the way we were looking at this tournament, it was really a case of it was his last go around. Mm-hmm. So what is he going to do? Whereas perhaps Fernando Santos realized we're halfway through that that race has already run. Mm. And I, I think he wasn't the best manager for a team like this. Mm. I'm sure that he's going to be one of the ones who gets replaced before the next tournament. But I think we can look back, if not at this tournament, some of the previous ones and see that, well, he did give his all for the team. Yeah, he did. So for England, because like Santos, uh, maybe Santos hasn't said anything, but Southgate said he's not sure if he's going to stay in as the manager of England. But first, again, England tripped over a penalty. Is that destiny? Do you have this feeling? It's, it's one of those things where I was so convinced we put that to bed. I was so convinced that England went out over that. And yeah, here we are. And it was in a scenario that, you know, I like Southgate as a manager, but the issue with him is when things don't go the right way, Mm -hmm. he takes too long to make any kind of change. I mean, his first substitution was on the 80th minute. Yeah, He brought on Jack Grealish in the 78th minute. It's absolute nonsense. But the change that he should have made is... When your top goal scorer and your assigned penalty taker is going up against his keeper from his national team, Mm -hmm. there's got to be some kind of contingency plan for that. Mm. And when there wasn't, fine, fair enough. But then when you get a second one, you're adding so many layers of complexity that that really should have been. Kane takes the first one, and then Jordan Henderson takes the second. Or... Was if Marcus Rashford bring him on for the second, something like that, because you are putting so much pressure. Like, you know, Kane has scored so many penalties. He is England's one goal scorer at this point. I don't believe that if that was anybody else, any other goalkeeper, be it Neuer, be it Bono from Morocco, mm-hmm. be it Thibaut Courtois, be it anyone, I am guaranteed he scores that second penalty as well but with so many extra layers of this guy see me in practice this guy seeing what i've done in all of my premier league games it was just too much and for it to be that i am convinced there's some kind of curse or something because it's so specific yeah that it wouldn't come up any other way Um, I think England, despite the loss, actually left a very good lesson for others to learn that this is how you contain Kylian Mbappe. This is how you contain France from the left wing. Because Mbappe, who was... I don't know who could actually stop him or slow him down previously, was kind of invisible to me in this game. Like, he was still running, he was still trying to penetrate, but he was not as sharp as he used to be. Yeah, honestly, man for man, it felt like England had the right team out there and had the right tactics and basically did everything correctly throughout, Mm -hmm. especially when it came to nullifying the French attack because Mbappe, we saw the damage he's done so far in this tournament, and yet, you are correct, 
when he ran into uh, Kyle Walker, John Stones, he just couldn't do anything. And I've seen people say that from their time at Manchester City, it's been exactly the same. When PSG have played City, they've closed him down completely. So whatever it is they can do, they are fantastic at it. Walker just had Mbappe that entire game for let's say 85 to 90 minutes, he was never more than five yards away. He wasn't going anywhere. It was very reactive defense mm-hmm. in the sense of Mbappe was running around. He wasn't completely shut down. He wasn't in zone and uh, man marking. But even then, when he's running when he's running up that channel and Walker and Stones are double teaming him, well, suddenly doesn't get the ball. If he does get the ball, he can't clear it out. He has to send it backwards down to say, Teo Hernandez, Chiomeni, someone like that. So whatever it is that they do, they have figured it out. And hopefully, unlike Portugal against Morocco, whoever plays France next will have looked will have looked at this and learned because the guy who has for the past four games been the most terrifying striker in the in the whole tournament mm-hmm. was basically invisible for ninety minutes. That's true. How much confidence do you have in the new the young generation of England? You know, uh, Bellingham and others. A lot, um, especially in this game, Bukayo Saka. Mm-hmm. The amount of fouls he was getting from Teo Hernandez was insane. I don't understand how him and Rabio went already on yellows and reds by the time he got that penalty. But you can see the reason why is he moves up that left side and then whatever it is he does, he kind of gets the ball, turns his back, and then darts completely horizontally across and leaves his man behind and causes so much danger that they have to bring him down. Um, that whole, with the exception of perhaps Jordan Henderson, who seemed a little out of place, that whole line of players with Foden, Bellingham and Saka, to me, that looks like the next generation. And I suppose that if you consider, well, he was replaced, Jordan Henderson was replaced by Mason Mount. I, mm-hmm. I'd, I'd say if you were to replace Henderson with Jack Grealish, yeah. that to me is a really fantastic attacking midfield lineup. Um, and, you know, Kane was excellent in front of goal. True. Like, the, this whole team, you know, uh, we've seen this team struggle through the Nations League. Mm. And then it comes to the real deal, the actual tournament, and they were excellent. And that includes... Luke Shaw, Harry Maguire, players who have been struggling badly for their club teams as well. Whatever it is about this team, plus the guys who come off the bench, when Rashford comes on, he's completely rejuvenated. Raheem Sterling is no longer particularly profligate in front of goal. I still think he tries to do too much himself, but he's still a solid player in front of goal. I think all we needed was Southgate to make changes Mm. 10 minutes before he did. Because man for man, this team took the world champions right to the very edge. Like you said in the introduction, right to the very, very Mm -hmm. edge. And it was literally two moments of individual brilliance separated by an hour of gameplay, during which time England win the ascendancy. And yes, we didn't get any uh, goals out of open play. And we did get a penalty uh, miss. But you look at what the players were doing to Saka what happened to draw the foul on Mason Mount uh, I, it was just I feel like the game was against us for a while and basically 
Southgate could have made change to keep us in it, and he never. True. That's simply yeah. Yeah. So France, as the reigning champions, they didn't really fall in the group stage, and now they came so far to the semi-finals. Do you think they're ready to become the second team to repeatedly winning the world championships? Well, it's 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 funny because I was thinking before we recorded about the narrative of this tournament mm-hmm. because it was Messi's last, yeah, it uh, Ronaldo's last, but. What I hadn't even considered is we are getting into the finals, we're on the semifinals right now. And basically, all the big rivalries have just fizzled out because I was I was reading before the tournament about how basically all eyes are on Messi, and we've seen that from the audience, we've seen that from the promotion, we've seen everything. But the idea kind of was it was set up so it could have been... Um, him versus Brazil in the semis, mm. putting that rivalry to bed. Then you get to the second half to get to the final. And on the other side of things, you have either going against England and using that rivalry, Argentina versus England, mm-hmm. or him versus Ronaldo in the final showdown. Whereas, you know, Ronaldo and Portugal just shrunk and disappeared in the most anticlimactic game of the tournament. Mm-hmm. Brazil went out after being humbled like they usually are. England just couldn't get over the hump with, with France. I don't know if there's a narrative between France and Argentina. I mean, France 98, I guess, some kind of rivalry from there. Um, but we are looking now at a potential scenario where the big finale doesn't have that much of a build-up to it. Mm -hmm. And that will probably benefit France because even though they are the holders, no one's been like talking about them because they don't have a storyline that fits with Messi. So, actually, now I I think about it, if you get to the final, it's PSG versus PSG. Yeah. So that, I guess, is the rivalry. But that's so small compared to the others. That is small, um, so yeah, I am. Um, I do think France can do it, but now, I mean, I, I still think the, the way Morocco got through is so uninspiring that France are just going to walk all over them and mm. reach the final. True. Um, I would be very, very interested in an upset from Croatia, because mm. I, I think they can do it. They have. They clearly like grinding teams out. You know. Anyone else would think, okay, you do two extra times and that's it. But they've done like five of their last six, I believe, mm-hmm. over the past two tournaments of extra times. They yeah. seem to know how to just drag teams to that distance. I would not be shocked if this is a France-Croatia final and a rematch from last time. That's it. At this point, I, it's more a case of just enjoy the football than try and get involved in all these narratives because every single one seems to have fizzled out in one way or another, you know. It was also Lewandowski's last World Cup, supposedly, mm-hmm. and he got two goals, one as a rebound, one as a second take of a penalty, very humbling, no one, no one was happy about it. Um, it feels like every storyline was set up to fall apart. Yeah. However, the drama getting to this point has still been very, very high, so... I'm sure it will pay off in a good way. Mm -hmm. And I think so much for today. Thank you for listening. Hopefully we'll be hearing from you guys very soon tomorrow. See ya. Speak to you then. Bye-bye.